This morning we'll hear uh, the word of God spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. Now prophets were people that God spoke to and then called them to speak to the greater population of the people of God. And uh, fortunately for us, it was uh, recorded and written down. So we read the prophets. So Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to the place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and, and, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Seventy years. The prophet is calling the people of God to wait for 70 years to be restored. They were taken from where they lived. Their, their, their uh, religion was uh, put down and they were shipped off to Babylon. It would be like if we, if someone came and took you out of your house, gave it to someone else, and you had to move to New York City. They were in exile. And they're called to wait for 70 years. Wow, I can't wait for the microwave to be done. 70 years. Part of this scripture hangs beside our front door at home. And it has hung beside every front door. You know, pastors, we move around since 1992. There it hangs. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for you to prosper. Plans for you not to be harmed. Plans to give you hope and a future. We have seen it as we've gone in and out that front door in all of the homes around western Pennsylvania, even in New Jersey. Now, it was given to us from a, a member of a church. Our first appointment when Cheryl and I were first married was to uh, churches up in Mercer County out in the country. And from there, the bishop was moving us to downtown Johnstown. Well, these country folks were like scared for us to be moving to Johnstown and to be moving to living downtown Johnstown. And then some of the people from those country churches helped me move a motorcycle and some other stuff to, and they saw the house we were moving in and they were even more filled with trepidation. I mean, the house, the kitchen alone had three kinds of wallpaper on the wall, three kinds. It was a big kitchen. The house was 110 years old. It was built after the Great Flood in Johnstown. It was built in 1890 because, as they say in Johnstown, the previous parsonage was wiped clean by the flood. That sounds really good, but it's not. It was wiped clean. They were nervous for us to move to the city to live downtown. We were a young couple hoping to have children. Would we have children born in downtown Johnstown? So this one lady from the Big Bend Church 
gave us this framed scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And in that house, we hung it beside the front door. And in every house since, even when we moved to New Jersey, they should have been really scared when we moved to New Jersey, but we lived at the beach. A lot of them loved to visit all summer. In fact, at the, I was so busy through those summers. At the end of the summer, Cheryl would give me a quiz of people that had visited through the summer, and I usually only got about 50-50. I had no idea if somebody had been to see us or not. They, they, even if they lived stayed in our house, because I didn't stay in the house. I was always out doing something. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. The prophet Jeremiah was speaking to a people in exile, people taken from everything they knew. And what were they doing? They were pining and longing for the good old days. They were wondering, could they even sing the songs of God in this foreign place? Could they sing the songs of Zion beside the Babylon River? Would God even hear them? Was God even with them? The prophet Jeremiah often had to bring some harsh words to God's people. But here, nearing the end of the, the book, he brings words of hope for his people. I was thinking about this, looking at that passage of Scripture hanging on our wall, and I was thinking, you know, what we've been through, we can feel a little bit like in exile, right? You know, if the pandemic did one thing for us, the good old days used to be what? The 1950s, right? Now the good old days is 2019, right? I mean, we could just go back to 2019. I mean, 2019 wasn't perfect. The 1950s weren't perfect, but it's all relative. It seems like it was perfect. Are we through the pandemic? Are we done? We don't know. But we can definitely feel like we're in a different place. You know, things seem to be changing and, and moving and uh, faster, but, and we definitely feel like we're not where we were, we're somewhere else. And that can be the feeling of exile. We can have the same feelings of pining for the, the good old days that the people of God had in Jeremiah's time. And everything seems to be changing. Not only are we wrestling as uh, are we through the pandemic, will life ever be the same? We're, but so many things seem unsettled. Our, our, our country seems so divided. And, and even in our, our denomination, the United Methodist denomination, there seems to be fracturing and, and schism and, and breaking apart. That we had hoped as a denomination in 2020 to come to some agreement and to, if people wanted to split, churches wanted to split, they could do that peacefully. But everything was canceled in 2020. And now, as a denomination, the General Conference, which is a worldwide gathering, the only body that can make a decision won't meet till 2024. We have to wait two years. God's people had to wait 70 years, but we're having a hard time waiting two years. For already churches, even some right around us, are talking about 
uh, leaving or disaffiliating for the United, from the United Methodist Church. And there's no, there's no easy way or clear plan to do that, so it's becoming a little contentious. One side does one thing, and then the other side does something, then they do, and it just escalates. But I do know one thing, when the dust settles, we will still be Chippewa. We will still be who we are. We don't know maybe what the name on the front of the building will be. We don't know exactly all the details, but we will still be the church we have been for 226 years. I believe that. Why do I believe that? Because I read the scripture beside my front door almost every day that God has a plan. God has a plan. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Those words have hung there through our life when we brought our daughters home from the hospital. They were there on glorious, sunny, beautiful days. They were there on freezing, frigid, blizzard days. Those words were there. Days when our girls were laughing or days when our girls were crying, days when we were crying. They have been there constantly reminding that God has a plan through the ups and the downs of life, through the, the glorious days and the difficult days. There they have been. God has a plan. God has a plan. I asked myself, Alan, can you trust in God? I can't even trust the dishwasher. You know, I got to wash every dish before it goes in there. Right? I mean, it's it, the door's closed. I don't know what's going on in there. My, my mother didn't trust it, so I don't trust it. And, and the person I live with does not know how to load the dishwasher. I just have to give you that. I mean, I have to reload it, you know. Okay, I'm a little bit of a control freak, but I'm the good kind, not the bad kind. You know, my, my, our daughters, as I've gotten older, have tried to teach me some things, and boy, that's, that's a challenge for me and for them. But you know, I'm, I'm somebody that I'll, I'll help anybody, but I can't let anybody help me. Well, my whole life, I've, I thought that's a virtue, right? The world would be a better place, right, if everybody was wanting to help everybody else but didn't bother people with their problems. But then my daughter say, Dad, that's just because you have to be in control. Oh, ouch. You know, when you're helping somebody, you're in control. But when you ask somebody else for help, you're giving up control. Ouch. You know, when your daughters get older, they love to put the knife in. One sticks it in, then the other one turns it just a little bit. But I need to hear that. I need to grow. One Lent for my spiritual discipline, the whole 40 days of Lent, I decided if somebody said, Alan, can I help you? I had to say yes. 40 days, it nearly killed me. Accepting help for 40 days. And when I started that, I said, next year, I'm going to ask people for help. Oh my goodness, I've never gotten there. No, I can't, I can't do that whatsoever. But to not ask somebody for help is... To deny them of the joy that you get from helping someone else. Oh, we human beings, we, we like to be in control, don't we? You know, we all have different degrees. You, can, you, can, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can think about yourself, how much control you like to, 
to have. Maybe, fortunately, maybe you might be married to somebody who doesn't need so much control, so you can have it, because there's only so much to go around. But we do. We as, what, was, what was the first thing we did when the pandemic hit? We hoarded toilet paper. We hoarded paper towels. We, you know, we had to be in control. Everything seemed out of control. We had to control what we could do. Yeah, I don't even trust the dishwasher. And I got to thinking about this idea of trusting in God and not in myself. The idea of giving up some control so that I could trust in God. And I began to wonder if, if my desire for control gets in the way of trusting in God. And you know what? The image God put in my head was of a seesaw. Remember seesaws? You know, one side goes up and the other goes down. You go back and forth. And I thought about that, and I thought, is it when we're in control, when our, our control is so high, I sort of began to picture our trust in God is real low. That, that, you know, when a day is really good, when everything's going your way, you can sort of make it through without God, right? But then when things start to get out of control and, and, and it's not going well and you're struggling, oh, that's, that's, that's when we pray. That's when we... That's when we turn to God. Does our human desire of trying to control life, control things, control our life, control other people's lives, does it get in the way of trusting in God? And I thought when we give up control, when we give our life to God, does our trust in God go up? But then I thought, boy, no one likes to be down there, do they? No, no, you'd rather be up on top, right? But then God gave me that image of that seesaw. And if you remember those seesaws, who's the person that's really in charge? The one that's up or the one that's down? The one that's down, right? Do you remember ever being up there and saying, hey, let me down, let me down? Do you remember being up there worried that the person down would get off real quick and boom, you'd go down? No, it's the person down that has the control. And then God was really trying to stretch me and giving me this idea that if we, if we give up control and give it to God, that's the ultimate control, don't you see? That if you give your life to God, he has a plan. He has a plan for you to prosper and not be harmed. He has a plan to give you hope and a future. That's the ultimate control. I, I, I can't admit that I'm there. No, my seesaw is going back and forth every day. But think about it. Our desire for control can really get in the way of our ability to trust, trust in God. As you live your life this week, just sort of step aside and, and look at yourself. Or are you trying to control everything? Or maybe ask, you know, your significant other or somebody to, to give you some input. Boy, you'll like that, won't you? Give, give you some insight about your level of need to control. Am I, am I trying to control everything so that God can't get in? 
Or am I really trusting in God for today? Trusting in God for the future? Trusting in God for me? Trusting in God for my children? Trusting in God for my grandchildren? Am I really letting go and letting God? Or am I trying to control it all? Just look at your life and see where your seesaw is this week, and you'll get an idea. And can we move towards giving up more and more of the control and trusting more and more in God? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then these other words, I'm I'm thinking I should put them on a post-it note and stick it on the wall underneath that framed scripture. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Boy, I need another frame. I need to hear that. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Are we seeking God with all our heart? Are we trying to hold on to control in our life? Can we trust in God when things are out of control? Can we get to an out-of-control trust? Let us pray. Almighty and all-loving God, you love us the way you created us, and we We can make messes of things. We can get in the way. We can have desires that thwart you at every turn. But, O Lord, you are never far from us, and you never give up loving us. And you desire nothing but us and a relationship with us. Help us this week to open our life to you, to give up some control and give it to you. Help us to trust more and more in you, O God, and less and less in our own understanding. Amen.